0: If you're in Brooklyn this September, don't be surprised if you pass a few people on the streets in sky-high wigs and even higher heels. Bushwick, an annual festival of drag, music, and love, takes place on September 11th and 12th. The event draws hundreds of drag performers of all styles and sizes. This is the festival's 10th edition. But if you can't make it, don't worry. The vibrant and ever-changing New York City drag scene always has something new and exciting going on, no matter what time of year. Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. Today we're exploring the origins of drag in New York City, how it's evolved in the last few decades, and we're meeting some of the drag performers bringing their own flair to the city's drag scene today. In a moment, we'll meet Linda Simpson, a drag queen who captured the new and exciting drag scene of the 1980s and 90s on camera. And later, we'll chat with Ms. Jade to explore how a drag queen finds her passion for performance and develops her own unique persona.
1: I grew up really religious and really closed off and kind of closed-minded. So my thought process was like, drag? Ugh, I'm not gay enough to do drag. Look
2: at me now, baby.
0: And finally, we'll meet Desmond is Amazing, who's breaking new ground as a drag kid.
2: My motto is, be yourself always, no matter what anyone says, and pay the haters no mind, because they will never be as fierce as you and I.
0: Our first guest is Linda Simpson, a photographer and drag historian who got her start in drag in the late 1980s. Linda's photos from that era provide a rare glimpse into the gritty and glamorous early days of drag in New York City. Linda, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, Thank you,
3: George, for having me.
0: So when did you first get involved with drag?
3: I got involved with drag in the late 1980s. That's when I was hanging around the East Village scene, which had a drag scene going on, and I got involved with that.
0: And what do you attribute that interest in drag to? What drew you to drag?
3: Well, I was really
0: just kind of fascinated by the
3: scene in the East Village drag at that time generally was not very um, hip or accepted. It was considered rather square and dusty. a lot of like you know older people, I guess, not lots, but some you know older queens doing impersonations of like Judy Garland, et etc. So it just didn't really have much of a hip appeal. And then I think for the straight world at large, it was just too freaky and too perverted. Um, so I, I just thought it was really interesting, you know, that they were turning this, you know, um, kind of outcast genre on its head and celebrating drag in kind of a newfangled manner where it was very like sort of tongue in cheek and like, you know, self-conscious about doing drag, but at the same time, just having, you know, fun with it in general. And then I think, you know, my story is not unusual. I was a, you know, a feminine young gay guy and to all of a sudden put on a wig and a dress um, gave me a lot more power and a lot more confidence. And so I enjoyed that also.
0: How did you develop your own drag persona?
3: Well, I really didn't, I mean, it's it's not like an acting job. It was just sort of an extension of my male self. So, well, drag, of course, gave me more confidence and you know a different perspective on the world. It wasn't like you know like a doctor, Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde kind of change into Linda. It was just sort of a like I said, a natural extension. As far as my drag name went, um, another drag queen named Taboo suggested Linda um, instead of maybe like a crazy name like a lot of other people had. And then my real last name is Simpson.
0: How do you remember your first year as a drag queen in New York City?
3: Oh, it was very fun, very exhilarating. I mean, a lot of learning, you know, it wasn't like bang overnight. I started doing drag like all the time. It was more kind of a gradual process, but a lot of fun, a lot of learning, you know, of course the technical aspects of drag makeup and wearing wigs and, you know, getting used to heels, et cetera, is all part of it. But just, it was fun just to all of a sudden be part of a scene and um, be, you know, kind of have like a community that you were suddenly involved with. And um, I was, you know, very involved with the nightlife then. So it was a lot of running around and, you know, just having fun,
0: really. Who were among your friends, your drag queen friends at that time, helping you navigate this drag world, would you say?
3: The big scene at that time, at least in my world, was the Pyramid Club which was on Avenue A, and that was kind of, had been through the 80s, like the headquarters of the, the East Village drag scene, the kooky East Village drag scene. And so I became friendly with some of these people, the main, a lot of the main performers before I started doing drag myself, like Taboo, who I mentioned before, and Happy Face, Lady Bunny, um, RuPaul was even among the crowd. So, I just um, became um, friendly with these people. And then, as far as kind of like, you know, negotiating my own drag, it was just other people that were on the scene. You know, I had a friend who was um, experimenting with drag at the same time. So, it was more, some, some drag queens talk about like having a drag mother. I don't think I really had that, but I had more like kind of drag sisters or drag friends that kind of helped me, you know, along the way.
0: Now you were capturing the evolution of drag during this time period in the eighties and nineties on camera, right? You were taking a lot of photographs.
3: Yeah, I did take, um, I mean, my photo taking was random and, um, over the course of the next several years, I did take quite a few pictures and I was just, you know, they were all for fun. I was just carrying around little cheap cameras and took front pictures of when I was going out mostly. Um, but, but, you know other stuff too but most of it was kind of drag ish and that was kind of unusual at the time because people didn't really carry around cameras and and like i said it was very random i certainly didn't get everything i did and i wish you know in retrospect i had taken more photos actually
0: how did you get the idea to start using your photos to start teaching drag history
3: well about i think it was about seven or eight years ago i just after, you know, kind of underestimating my photos, which I just kept in shoeboxes in a closet, I, I began to think, hey, you know, I think I've kind of got something here, an interesting time capsule of that era. So I p- started putting them together in a slideshow. And then the slideshow sort of evolved over the years. I call it the drag explosion. And it's about 40 minutes long, narrated by me. I've done, and so I've done presentations Um, at galleries and theater spaces, et cetera, um, at colleges. And um, it it just tells kind of the history of drag from the late 80s to the mid 90s, which I see as being like a real peak time in drag history. And definitely um, as having kind of a beginning and an end.
0: What do you mean by that when you say an end? Because I'm aware of drag these days.
3: Well, yes, of course. What I mean is that that red hot moment of several years um, kind of disappeared and it was a different era. You know, um, the the reason that drag had become popular at that point is because it was sort of discovered um, from the New York nightlife um, by the media and pop culture that started like, you know, incorporating drag into their coverage and into their entertainment. And um, uh, this was way before the internet became popular. And so once um, drag had run its course for several years, um, the powers that be, the gatekeepers, sort of decided that drag was a trend. And so drag like other you know, genres of that time, like boy bands or, you know, new, new age spirituality, were just kind of declared trends and kind of tossed aside. And that sort of, that did dovetail with Mayor Giuliani's um, crackdown on the nightlife, which, you know, really um, shrunk the drag world also. So it really was this very glorious, you know, queendom that lasted several years, but then what came to an end and really drag sort of went on a hiatus in popularity until like the early 2000s when RuPaul started her um, television show, RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, this is my theory, of course, but I think many people would agree that this, my, my story generally is correct about the drag history of that era.
0: How would you describe the state of the drag scene today?
3: Well, it's, you know, I mean, thriving it's much, much bigger. It's, you know, integrated into pop culture way more than it became so in the 90s. Um, And, um, you know, there's many more opportunities for people to make money. Um, I mean, it's, it's not as provocative in many ways, or certainly it's not underground and it's not um, maybe as dangerous, you know, as it once was. And that was kind of thrilling in some regards, but it's, it's, definitely all for the better that drag has been embraced uh, because it does offer more employment opportunities. And and just because, you know, drag is fun, it should be, of course, appreciated for what it is.
0: Thank you so much for your time.
3: Thank you, George, very much. I appreciate you having me.
0: You can see some of Linda Simpson's photos for yourself at thedragexplosion.com. The only thing bigger than our next guest's personality is her love of drag. Ms. Jade is a Brooklyn-based queen who knows all about what it takes to craft a drag persona and break into the modern drag landscape. Ms. Jade, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. So how did you find drag in your life? Yes. Good question. Um, So when I was 16 years old, I went
1: to an LGBT plus youth center in White Plains, New York called Center Lane. And they had a coffee house, basically like a talent show. So you could you know, read poems, you could perform, you can sing, you can dance. And the youth director there basically picked me and three other um, little queer boys and said to us, I'm putting you all in drag. You're gonna perform Lady Marmalade at the coffee house. And I, before that I was like, I would never do drag. I'm not, that's too much for me. I can't like, you know, being, I, I grew up really religious and really closed off and cl- kind of closed minded. So my thought process was like drag. Ugh, I'm not gay enough to do drag. Look at me now, baby.
0: <laughs> you so, look fabulous in your drag right now. Absolutely thank fabulous.
1: You. Thank you. So um, we did Lady Marmalade and it was fun. It was lovely. I had a great time. And then I went to a very um, queer artsy um, liberal college called SUNY Purchase College. And we have such a huge LGBT plus community as well as one of the biggest events we have on our campus is um, an event called Fall Ball, which is a drag competition. And I went my first year there and just walked with my jaw on the floor. And I made friends with a lot of upperclassmen that year. And they said, that I have to do drag. They're like, you have to do drag. Do you have a drag name? And I did. I was given the name Jade. And um, they were like, you have to do drag. You have to be a redhead. You have to compete in fall ball next year. And I did. And I won. And since then, I've just been asked to do a lot more events on campus and off campus. And it kind of like snowballed into this this bigger, larger-than-life persona. And uh, something that I... Can't stop, won't stop doing. So here we are.
0: <laughs> so where did Jade come from and how did it evolve to Ms. Jade? So
1: the youth counselor at Center Lane picked names for all of us. And for me, he said, your name is Jade because you are shady. And he started to flicker the lights on and off. And I, I again, I'm 16 years old. I don't know what shade means. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, And then I was like, I'm not shady, but I grew up with a lot of um, sassy family members and, you know, very fierce, strong Black women. So, like, I can see how that probably spiraled and and probably rubbed off on me and made it look like I had a lot of attitude and sass. So that's where Jade came from. (laughs) And um, for me, I think um, I just wanted something just a little bit more extra, and I wanted to have a Facebook profile for myself and you couldn't do that with one name. So I was like, how about Ms. Jade? That's perfect. Ms. will be the first name, Jade will be the second. I feel like uh, the way I talk all my S's at the end of at the end of words actually sound like Z's. So I, like, I, I thought that'd be clever and would go along with my lovely lisp, <laughs> Ms. Jade. That's how Ms. Jade came to be.
0: So how do you come up with your look and does it vary from performance to performance?
1: Um, A lot of the time I just dive right in. (laughs) I'm like, all right, I know the foundation part. I'm going to do this. Now let's play with the eyes and the lips. Uh, So makeup wise, look wise, that's kind of like a go-to for me, signature face shapes, but there's a lot of performance opportunities I have that are very specific. Like if I'm doing a Janet Jackson tribute show, like I try to look a lot more like Janet Jackson. Contour, she has more rounder cheeks. She has a more tiny nose, so I try to paint my face a little bit like that and replicate those looks specifically. Um, with, I also like I I'm kind of a, a little bit of a nerd, so I love superheroes. I love uh, cartoons or I, I used to love cartoons. I grew up loving cartoons. I think I was such in a rush to grow up that I forced myself to stop watching them. But now as an adult, I'm like kind of diving back into that. So um, one of my favorite looks that I've done is actually him from the Power Powerpuff Girls. And him is this red androgynous kind of drag uh, creature. Um, who's who has like lobsters, lobster claws for hands and um, a widow's peak and goes from having a very like like soft, seductive voice to a very like loud, angry, demonic voice. And um so it always it always just depends on the event and what I want to perform and if I'm paying homage or tribute to someone or something.
0: How long does it typically take you to transform into Ms. Jade? I think it could be, I can do it as,
1: in fat, as fast as an hour and 30 minutes with um, hair, makeup, and clothing, but I love taking my time as well. So two and a half hours to three hours would be lovely. I just like, you know, having some water or some wine nearby and sipping away while I like slowly paint. I I, I want it to be a luxurious moment, you know, me wearing my like silk robe and just enjoying the moment and not rushing um, I know, as like New Yorkers, we're, we're just used to rushing everywhere, so <laughs> and having jam-packed schedules. So I'm often rushing more than I am relaxing. Sadly,
0: how different is Miss Jade from your male persona, or are you one and the same? Would you say?
1: Great question. I think I I think they're very different, and a lot of people will, would agree with that. Some people think Miss Jade is nicer. <laughs> even though she's supposed to be the queen of shade. That's what people call me. They call me Miss Jade, the queen of shade. Um, Some people say that Miss Jade is nicer. She flirts more, she bats her lashes. She's a lot more like in people's faces and will talk to anyone and everyone. Um, I think my my out of drag persona is a little bit more tamed and reserved or quiet. Um, When I'm in drag, I'm often wearing like fun, ridiculous clothing, I'm like towering over people when i'm not in drag i'm usually wearing active wear and sneakers or boots you know like i i i I like looking cute but i also like comfort and in drag i'm not thinking about comfort (laughs) i'm thinking about how gorgeous i can look and um but but i think I've, i've talked to people who say that there's not a big difference between the two but then i meet people who are like convinced. They're like, there's completely different beings. So I don't know, I guess it's subjective.
0: You referenced that you grew up with a religious background. Did you face any pushback from family when you transformed into Ms. Jade? What was that like, if so?
1: Yes. um, And it's interesting because part of it is religion. Part of it is how in the Black and Brown communities, how we, how we, um, talk about like queerness and um so i know for when my mom found out i did drag she almost brought it up as if i was like keeping a secret from her like a very troubling secret and um by that time i had already performed in college i had already done special events i've already was going down into the city to perform perform in Brooklyn, and Manhattan. I already had a nice drag um, foundation and was getting paid to do drag. So when my mom just shared her thoughts about it and views about it or like questioned my drag, I just reminded her that um, it's something I'm great at. It's, I used to do musical theater and I kind of paralleled it to that. Like I go into the space I put on my makeup, I put on my costume, I go out and do a show. After I'm done with that show, I take my makeup off and I go home and do my thing and I'm good at what I do. So it's just like that when you saw me play in Little Shop of Horrors or West Side Story or The Music Man, you know, it's very comparable to that, um, to those experiences that you've seen me do. Just, I just so happen to be playing um, this character, Miss Jade. And her response was, "Okay, well, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. That clears things up a little bit. It's going to take me some time to get used to, but I can't wait to eventually come see you in a show." Which was awesome, and um, there was there's still a lot more complexity to that. There was definitely some fallback, and and um, my mom definitely was freaking out once she started seeing things. Um, I was staying with her during a winter break in college, and she saw like pantyhose and heels, and she like freaked out. It's one thing, I guess, if you're seeing photos, and it's another thing if it's like in your space. And she had a little, um, a little meltdown, and she was screaming some very nasty things to me, um, uh, homophobic and transphobic things at me. And by that time, I was old enough to decide, like, I don't know if I need this person in my life right now. So we had um, some time apart, and reconnected, and and had some words. And now my mom is a huge supporter of me, and um, has is always asking me for photos of my looks because she wants to share them at her job. My mom watches RuPaul's Drag Race and wants to fight about who's who, like. <laughs> um, and part of part of that was me being being stubborn and 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 not really stubborn but protecting my peace like I needed to protect my peace and separate myself from those negative um opinions and uh and really cultivating a safe space for myself and her seeing that I think is something that you know she kind of understood you know the space that she was cultivating was not safe I did not feel supported and I think she realized what Devon wants to do. That's my name out of drag, oops, slipped. What Devon wants to do, Devon's gonna do no matter if she's there or not. Um, so, you know, I think my mom is someone who, I, I'm happy that she now supports me. I think some of my other family are, struggle a little bit with it still, but I'm very um, blunt with blunt and outspoken with the way I live. I like to think about I like to think that I'm living my life as openly as possible. And hopefully that inspires other other people to do the same.
0: Ms. Jade, thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You can find out more about Ms. Jade at her website, MsJade.com. Our final guest is proving that drag isn't just for grown-ups anymore. After a video of them voguing at Pride went viral, self-proclaimed drag kid Desmond is amazing has become an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community and an inspiration to other kids who want to try drag. Desmond, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, it's such a pleasure.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. So what was your first experience with the art of drag? How did you find your passion for it?
2: Well, I found my passion for drag when I was around, well, I guess you could say two. And my mom would watch RuPaul's Drag Race. And me being a baby, I would watch it. Um, And then I would, uh, around like three, I would try to start in, you know, uh, use materials around the house to uh, like make myself into like a quote unquote drag queen with like blankets, cardboard, uh, uh, bed sheets. uh. And then the first time I ever professionally wore a wig and did drag was in 2014 when I went to the Halloween parade and I dressed up as Elsa and that's probably the first time I ever went in drag
0: and what did your parents think about that when you started to dress in drag and want to dress in
2: drag my parents were okay with it because um my mom had a gay uncle and uh My dad's just accepting, so I'm very lucky to have accepting parents.
0: Now, you don't refer to yourself as a drag queen. You refer to yourself as a drag kid. That's a very conscious decision, right?
2: Yeah, because I feel like drag queens too, like adult, you know, when you think of drag, when you think of, you know, like uh, queens, you know, and it's just like, I feel like there should be a a term for kids. So, because some people think drag queens are like very sexual, so I wanted... I wanted to call myself a drag kid so no one would get confused.
0: So how would you describe your style as a drag kid?
2: Well, I'm not into drag as much as I used to be, but I I like wearing, uh, like, basically right now, I like wearing a dress and makeup um, without a wig. Um, and um, I feel like my style would be just, like, I really love the colors pink and black, and I really love, like, like really, like, Colors are really soft, but also pop. Uh, and my favorite color is pink, so I always have pink clothing on. Um, and yeah, I feel like that's my style nowadays.
0: How did you go about sticking with your name? Desmond is amazing. Now, of course, Desmond is amazing, but why did you go with that with a name?
2: Well, in 2015, I went viral for voguing in the NYC Pride Parade, and um, I was getting a lot of hate, and one of my mom's friends, friends made a Facebook page called Desmond is Amazing to just give me support and, and like show me that, uh, you know, to ignore the hate. And I really love the name and I just started using it and it pretty much stuck.
0: Have you heard from other kids who have reached out to you for support or have seen you as an inspiration?
2: Yes, I've seen uh, many kids, a lot of kids on um, like look up at me and ask me, you know, questions. And it makes me feel good because I'm teaching them how, you know, to, to be themselves. And um, I'm also just, be, I'm an inspiration to them. And there's even some kids who saw me and then, you know, were, they felt good about themselves when they were feeling very terrible about themselves before they found me. And once they found me, they they felt more, more accepted of themselves. Um, so it's just very amazing that there's so many kids and so many people that I've helped around the world. And it's a blessing, honestly.
0: How do you get past the haters? How do you get past those who are critical of drag and what you do?
2: Well, my mom and my dad uh, don't let me see the hate. Um, and whenever I do, I just ignore it because I've gotten used to it so much that it just doesn't really bother me at this point. And it's just normal. And uh, I ignore it and I just continue being myself. Uh, because I'm not going to let the haters get to me.
0: What's the coolest thing you've accomplished since you began performing?
2: Um, Probably my book, Be Amazing, A History of Pride. Basically, it's a kid's version of the history of pride and my journey to finding myself. Because there were a lot of books about a boy in a dress. Uh, I couldn't find any kids' books about the LGBTQ history, and they don't teach that in schools. So I felt like it was important to write a book about the LGBTQ history and... That is probably my my best accomplishment.
0: Have you been able to meet any of your drag idols?
2: Yes, I I actually was able to cut a ribbon with RuPaul at DragCon NYC in 2017, and it was just so amazing because RuPaul's my idol, and I mean, like, wow! It was just so fun. I was like, I was in a day, so I can't really remember remember much of it because I was like, am I like really standing up here? was the person who inspired me to do drag, like, wow.
0: And you didn't have to lip sync for your life, right?
2: No, 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 thank God.
0: How has your work as a drag kid changed since the pandemic began?
2: Well, I've become more interested in, you know, going out of the box, not like, not like wearing wigs. Um, I've also, you know, just explored my style and, um... I've also had a lot of time to think about, you know, things I want to do and ideas I have in the future. So I feel like I've definitely changed thanks to the pandemic. And hopefully uh, this new Delta variant doesn't put us in another pandemic.
0: What are among the things that you want to do? What do you aspire to do? What are you thinking about now?
2: Well, I'm thinking about, well, I've had this idea for years, but now we're finally accomplishing it because last year we had financial issues, like a lot of people did in COVID. So, um, uh it's called the house of amazing and it's gonna be a drag house uh for kids and it's just gonna be a safe space for lgbtq kids and it's gonna be very secure and it's gonna make sure that like uh, there's no weirdos on there and it's just gonna be a place to for lgbtq to hang out do a lot of stuff and i really hope to get it done uh soon
0: do you have your own motto desmond what's your motto
2: My motto is, be yourself always, no matter what anyone says, and pay the haters no mind, because they will never be as fierce as you and I.
0: Great. Desmond, thank you so much for your time. No problem. You can learn more about Desmond's work at desmondisamazing.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Abby Delk. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm George Baldarchi. Thanks so much for listening.